I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, welcome to week five for the Los Angeles Rams. One more trip to the East Coast to play in an early window against the NFC East. Can they go 4-0 against that division right now, the worst in football? With DeMarco Farr, Maurice Jones, I'm J.B. Long. NFC West play is just around the corner. The San Francisco 49ers will await the Rams next in primetime. And, gentlemen, if you'll remember back to the summer, we discussed what would be a good record, a reasonable expectation for these Rams after five weeks. Well, here we are about to play the fifth game. They've got 4-1 and one in their sights. Yeah, and I think it's very important because you, you play the Dallas Cowboys uh, right out of the gate. Uh, you're able to get a victory there. Then you go to Philly and you handle Philly. And so uh, anytime you can beat up on the, on your, your conference, you have to do that, right? And we talked about how important those two victories were because down the road, and we don't even know who's going to come out of the, 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 the least, the NFC, NFC least, but – Whoever comes out is going to get a spot, and you want to be able to feel comfortable enough if you are that wild card team that you can go to that place and win. And the Rams have done that to this point. Hmm. Yeah, I mean three and one's good. I guess we can go ahead and say four and one. I mean Washington has a has a good enough chance to beat the Rams as anybody, uh, especially the way they played last week. But yeah, I mean it's it's a decent three and one, four and one. Um, the way the offense is going, uh, the way the defense has been playing, there I think they've been improving. I think the best is yet to come. And like you said, I, I think. You know, you want to be firing on all cylinders by the time you get to division play, you know. And I I didn't know Philadelphia was going to struggle like this. You know, I didn't know Dallas was still going to be trying to find it at this point in the year. I didn't know the East was going to be this bad, but, you know, you you can only play the teams that are on your schedule. And to come out of this 3-1, and possibly 4-1, and you know, what could be better outside of being undefeated? So, I mean, you did the job that you're supposed to do heading into division play. Before we put the win over the Giants in week four behind us, any finishing thoughts on their third win of the season that you're going to take into Washington? Your defense can win you games. I, I, I truly believe that, you know, they're, they're, you're going to face some teams in the NFL, right? You're going to face the Kansas City Chiefs, possibly the San Francisco 49ers when they're healthy, uh, the Seattle Seahawks who score points, even the, the Arizona Cardinals. But those teams that can't score points, you have to shut them down. That defense showed that they can make plays and they can win games. Uh, you know, and it, it goes back to that drive, I want to say, before uh, the Giants got the ball back where, you know, this was like, all right, this is a, this is the drive. Like, you got to go down here and just eat the clock up. No more clock. And it was like three and out. Yeah, yeah. Cooper Cup even runs out of bounds. Yeah, it was like, just – It was, breaks the four-minute rule. Right. And so you punt the ball away, and then your defense is there. And they've given up some some yardage in those two-minute tie-style situations. Yeah. But to be able to close out the game on an interception, that, that is what was most important. And then – at the end of the day, let's just be honest. I mean, Jalen Ramsey was out there smashing everybody. I mean, he you get a sack, you get a big play. You know, he his versatility is, is being uh, shown. So, to me, the offense is going to struggle throughout the course of the season. The question is, can the defense be there to pick it up? And I think last year that was the issue was that the defense, when the offense struggled, the defense struggled at the same time. And then you yeah. have the blowout against the Buccaneers. Well, this time the defense was able to show up and, and help out. This is funny because uh, it's – 
On one hand, I think Jalen Ramsey is a dynamite corner, but I think he is a fantastic football player. He just gets the game. Going to Washington, I think Haskins is a decent quarterback. I'm not sure how good of a football player he is. Right. You know, it's just the little things, watching Jalen Ramsey play. But, yeah, I mean, I I wish the run defense was a little bit better, but I I think that is a work in progress. Um, I think that's going to be challenged if Micah can't play. Micah Kaiser can't play. We'll we'll see with with that. But uh, And something else I got from Sean McVay on the coaches' show, JB. Yes, please. I think there's more to this offense that he showed in New York. I think that was just a game plan that he gave New York. I think there's going to be more once you get into division play. Well, what about from opposing defenses? Because I think we mentioned this during the Week 4 broadcast. That game had something in common with the Super Bowl and that frigid night in Chicago, which we all remember without – two fond memories and that was they could not get explosive plays off as I watched it back I didn't see like 6-1 overhang like it it wasn't that it was something different but it looked the same offensively is there now another blueprint out there you mentioned two-man coverage from New York like is there another way to contain what the Rams want to do this year I, I think I think it's it's more personnel than scheme right New York's personnel yeah they the the when you play like the AFC North, you play the NFC East, the bigger divisions, you're gonna deal with big bigger players. The Rams aren't built for that. If you look at their offensive line, they're slender guys, they wanna move. When you go against Demarcus Lawrence who weighs three hundred and fifty pounds, that bull rush is a little bit different mm-hmm. than the bull rush you're gonna get uh, from whoever else in the NFC Dexter West. Lawrence, you yeah. mean. Dexter Lawrence, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, Dexter yeah. Lawrence. He so. and Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson. Yeah. I mean, those are all three three and change, and That's they were rocks. Big, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and they're and they're moving the pocket. And they're and so what, what, what happens is is you get explosive plays off a play-action pass. This offense does. This offense yeah. does. And, and, yeah. and some, you know. Or we should say Jared Goff does. Right, Jared yeah. Goff does. Yeah. Well, if you can't run the ball, there is no play-action pass. But here's my situation. thing. If they're playing two-man, doesn't that mean you should have light boxes? If but, they're sitting over the top but of that's you with their I, But that's what yeah. I'm saying. That's where those big linemen come into play. Yeah. Right? Well, here's you what can't I, move them. So then the question becomes, yeah. does Washington have that? Well, here's what I saw. Right. Uh, the, the first two weeks, Dallas, they, they act like they've never seen a bootleg before. Yes. It was week one. And you told us that preseason. F- Philadelphia, too. Buffalo got a little bit better. Um, and definitely against New York, it was a lot better. The way And it's Sean McVay playing football against three guys, both ends and maybe a linebacker. So the more you see it on film, the more keys you get the read, and the easier you get back to Jared Goff and cut him off, right? Right. Uh, but I, I think – there are going to be plays off of that based on how you react to those bootlegs that we haven't seen just yet that's to exa- make you pay. That's exactly what I wanted yeah. to ask is, so so when teams are selling out against your keeper game, when they're sending edge pressure, runner pass, they don't care, they just don't want you outside on their perimeter, when they're firing linebackers like we've seen Buffalo and New York do, yeah. effectively run blitzes, how do you beat that? Cutback. That's what I keep thinking. If you're a defensive end and there's only too many, there's only so many things you can do, it's either I got I to gotta play boot, Make sure I cut Jared Goff off right. so he doesn't get outside and expose the defense or and give up the cutback lane or play the cutback and let the quarterback out. Mm. So there's only one or two things you can do. So I'm I'm assuming cutback yeah. is going to be the big play that stops these ends from getting out. I, I think, it, again, it, it, it to me it, it comes down to this. Regardless of whatever the run play is, it, it doesn't matter. You have to – your tackle, guard, center on both sides have to be able to move those guys down the field. When you talk about the Buffalo Bills – Andrew Whitworth and company, they were running guys five, six yards mm-hmm. down the field. We didn't see that against no. the New York Giants. So it doesn't matter at the end of the day. You could have cutback. You can have all that. If them big dudes aren't moving, and that's that, that's always been the issue if you talk about Chicago, right? It was Akeem Knicks. Mm-hmm. Couldn't move them. Oh, the Super Bowl, who was it? It was uh, 
the guy that played for Washington, the big kid, the Patriots, literally put activated that one game. Danny Shelton. Danny Shelton. <laughs> big dudes, right? So that is that is what it's come accustomed to. And then they're just sitting there for your screen game too, right? Cause, right. Because you haven't moved them off their spot. Exactly. Well, any D-line coach, I mean, play, uh, this is so funny because I saw a bunch of the guys uh, on the defensive staff from Dallas. And I told you what they said. That guy can scheme. That mm-hmm. guy can scheme. Mm-hmm. It wasn't what the players did. It was what Sean McVay did. But any defensive line coach that's getting ready to play the Rams, I, if you're not repping screens, you should be fired. If you're not I'm, – seriously. So, I mean, look, if you're a pass rusher, if you're a guy that can rush the passer, right. and all of a sudden say David Edwards or Austin Corbett or Austin Blythe just all of a sudden lets you go, mm-hmm. that's a screen. Stop, plant. Sprint but, back to the pylon. That's what you do in practice. So this is, this is I guess, what I what I'm trying to. It's it's less of a scheme issue. It's a personnel, right? So, who is the um the guy for the Cowboys? They just signed him again. He played for the Panthers. Played for the Chiefs. Big dude. We called him a screen snip, right? His name slipped my mind. D tackle. Uh, John Did, Terry Poe. Okay. Oh yeah. Didn't just sign him. They they yeah, played they it play, so far. Yeah. T Rex arms. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Those type of bodies, they don't run. They don't move. Demarco, when you were a three tech and you're a mover, you're shooting gaps. Yeah. Those kind. I remember playing against uh, the Pittsburgh had a guy like that, and I forget his name again, but. Those dudes don't move. Their job is just to hold the pocket, just hold it. If the run, you stop, and then you go find the screen. When you face teams like that, it gives the Rams problems because guess what? Their linemen, they're not strong enough to move those guys off, so they're just going to slide down the line and then fall on the running back. You'll get two or three yards of carry. And then if it's a screen, guess what? I'm not pass rushing. I'm just holding the lineman here forever, you know, to kind of keep right. the pocket, and then I'm going to take off. So you have to find when you when you face – and we can – you know, this is a theory, but when you face – these type of teams, I think that the, when we, we were just talking before, JB, uh, the Washington football team, their D and their DTs are a little bit slender, more quicker. So they'll, it'll be, I think, the running game will be much better. The, but this you, is a solid defense, though. Like, don't look at their scores and say, "Oh, they gave up to thirty. No. They gave up thirty to Baltimore. They gave up thirty to Cleveland." Like, you look at that Cleveland game. Those Baker Mayfield drives started at the plus twenty-eight, the plus twenty-four, the plus thirty-five, and the plus forty-one. Like, oh, yeah. th- their offense has put their defense in some horrible spots. Which is why you bench the quarterback. Okay. Well, we'll get <laughs> to, we'll get we'll get there next because that obviously is right. huge hey, news out of Washington. I have been there. Oh, me too. I have been there. Trust me, me too. I've been I, I've been there where they cut you've the quarter starter to, week one. You've never had to defend that. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I got to go out there and keep defending short fields, and oh. then we all get yelled out, yelled out on Monday. No, no, because no. Because no. you can't keep the ball in your hand. Oh no, no, no. We, I've been there. I've been there multiple <laughs> times. Trust me. But that's what I love about where the Rams are at this moment in the season. Right, about to start the second quarter of the season, coming off an unsavory offensive performance yeah. where they left a lot on the bone, and then you look at what's upcoming on the schedule. These are good defenses. Yeah. Washington can get after you. They got Chase Young coming back. We'll talk about that as uh, Rams Alexis continues. San Francisco, I don't care how banged up they are. They're going to give you problems with with their I have personnel to say this, scheme. Though. I have to say this though about the there's something about the San Francisco 49ers and the Rams play them. That boot gets out the back door every time. I don't know why. The boot gets out yeah. every time. I mean, and and we, Jared's played them well as a result. Yeah. Um, and then Chicago behind that. Ooh. I mean, like you can compare their three and one to the Rams three and one, and we'll get there eventually. But statistically, yeah. these are all yeah. top seven defenses in the NFL through four weeks. So we're going to know a lot more about just how good this Sean McVay Jared Goff offense is in twenty twenty. And Robert Sala is a wide nine guy. Yeah, he's letting those ends go. They are pass rushers, which yeah. means. They're gonna they're gonna react to run and then give up the boot and mm-hmm. they think they can run it down. Well, and the, and the, but in the in the in the chance that they do play it well, it could knock your teeth out. Well, so this yeah. is the, this is what I, I I guess we have to look at the defensive tackle position or depending if it's a three four or four three, and figure out how the Rams play against that big personnel up front because mm-hmm. I, I for some reason when I've looked at it and I and I've gone back and looked looked at other games especially you know after the six one situation debacle. 
it's the teams that have these big dudes in the middle. I mean, that was John Sullivan's issue. He couldn't handle that. In- Fletcher, Fletcher Cox. Cox. He I couldn't handle it, say, right? Yep. So those kind of defensive tackles give you problems. Let's look and let's track yeah. and see if that is something that we can see going forward. Of course, we're playing right into the narrative, dwelling on the offensive woes coming off a third win. But you know what? It's it's kind of what Sean McVay and company are out to prove as he goes back to Washington this week. On the other side of the equation, Ron Rivera makes a quarterback change, and that's been one of the prevailing storylines across the entire National Football League. We'll go inside that decision next. Ask DeMarco and Maurice Jones-Drew, is it fair? Do they agree with it in the context of the football team season? As we continue on Rams All Access on 710. ESPN. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We continue with our Week 5 preview on Rams All Access. J.B. Long alongside Maurice Jones-Drew and DeMarco Farr from downtown Los Angeles at L.A. Live. The Rams are going to D.C. to play in the early window, looking to get to 4-1 and one before a trip to San Francisco and NFC West play begins. Still to come, we'll go four-down territory. We'll get the latest from inside the Beltway. We'll also ask, is three a crowd in that backfield for Los Angeles as Cam Akers comes back from the rib injury? Uh, but here we want to talk about the quarterback change in Washington. Ron Rivera making the difficult choice to go away from his second-year signal caller, Dwayne Haskins, after four weeks. Gentlemen, two questions. Is it fair, and are you surprised? Is it fair? It's football. I was going to say life ain't fair. They're one and three. They're going backwards offensively. But I he's mean, only got 11 starts, and he doesn't have a great surrounding cast. And I didn't draft you. you know. And Alex Smith is, is healthy enough to be a backup, which tells me in a few weeks he's going to be probably the starter again. So, you know, the one thing I did write down when I was watching, I watched every single snap. Uh, from from Dwayne Haskins this year, the one thing I wrote down was this guy could really use a an elite tight end. He definitely doesn't have one. That's, He's got Logan Thomas, a converted quarterback. I was going to say that, tight end that's him. my that's my biggest issue, yeah. Demarco. But I mean, I mean, just watching their offense and the way it functions, he could really use a great tight end. Don't have one, or this offense could use an elite quarterback, a veteran, to get this thing going because it's just not working. And even when they do, when it does work, it's the same play. Maurice, I swear, I it's know. the same place over and over again. The only thing he can throw with any sort of consistency is that backside slant or screen. And this is going to sound funny coming from guys that cover the Rams. You're not going to live very long running screens on every single play. So this, so this is the thing, and this is the one thing, we and we talked about this on the Between the Horns podcast, was that when Sean McVay took over the Rams, the first thing he did – now this is, and this is, why, this is why I get it frustrated – you're, you're the Washington football team, and I, I, rumor has it that they offered Amari Cooper uh, way more money than Dallas, but he chose. That's fine. But then you need to go find someone else. When Sean McVay came here, he got a left tackle in the center to solidify this offensive line. Uh, he brought in Robert Woods, and he drafted Cooper Cup. And Gerald Everett. And Gerald Everett. Like I mean, he went in and put pieces because it doesn't matter. I don't care how good you are. If you don't have quality players around you, you will never be successful. Terry McC- McLaurin cannot be just the only guy there. It just doesn't work. And so – to give him he's 11 games. Yeah, he's a baller. He is a baller. It's amazing he's put up the numbers that he has, he's given what DeMarco started this segment by saying. Yeah, he's but, a baller. And, and, but that's all he – that's the only person that 
again, I've, I've never played quarterback, but I've been in situations with rookie quarterbacks, new quarterbacks. They're only going to throw the ball to the guy they trust. So nine out of ten times, it was a check down when I was there. Like, it was crazy. We'd have guys running wide open, and he'd be like this. Quarterback would be like, Blaine used to tell me, get out quick. <laughs> because they don't, you don't trust everyone. And so if I don't have guys that I know I can throw a 50-50 ball to, and, and this is the other thing I have to tell you, look at what happened to the Houston Texans. When you took away that dog that made everything work. Nuke. Nuke. When you traded him away, all all of a sudden you can't stop anybody on defense, offenses. You can't you can't Wait, do is anything. Nuke Hopkins. Yeah. They yeah. call him Nuke. Yeah. Oh, since when is that new? No, it's Nuke, 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 Nuke Hopkins. I and, like that. Four four games later, JJ's revolting, and you got a coaching change. Oh my change. God! Yeah. You, you see you what I'm saying? You don't so, get into an argument with JJ. So Watt. when you have these situations, you like, and again. You cannot evaluate a quarterback without putting weapons around him. Well, wait, hold on. McKissick has been playing well. Who? He has been playing. At least they've I'm been going to him, it. and I, they've, I they've had success. Yeah. And I like Gibson. Out of the backfield. I like Gibson running yeah. the football. You, you can see shadows of McCaffrey there. They're, They're trying to tough. use him that way. So I would bet, and this is probably what Ron Rivera is thinking with someone else, I might get more out of these guys. I may have a chance to open up my playbook a little bit because we don't know what goes on behind the no, scenes. No, we don't. And I don't know how much you can run with him or how much you can't run. I do know this from personal experience. I know there was half the playbook we couldn't use when we had Tony Banks at quarterback. Yeah, I was the same way. We can't use that. He doesn't know how to run it. He keeps making mistakes, so we're going to keep running the same eight plays over and over again. You know how long that lasts in the NFL. That makes you one and three. Mm-hmm. Or, or five and 11, yeah. Speaking of one and three, though, something has changed these last couple of weeks because a couple of weeks ago in Cleveland, he wasn't using his timeout, speaking of Rivera, down in a, in a two-score game, I think it was. And people are like, well, what what is this? And he's like, we're just trying to get out of there and move on to the next week, stay healthy. We're not trying to put our guys at risk. That's playing for next year, right? That's All, what you would think. But but then he looks around and says, well, the Giants haven't won yet. Dallas is an onside kick disaster away from being 0-4-2. Philadelphia just got to win San Francisco, but I'm not banking on Philadelphia to win this division. So I, I think he looked at this opportunity to reset the entire 2020 season because of what's going around him in the East. And they haven't played those teams. They beat Philadelphia, but they've right. got the Giants twice upcoming. They've got Dallas upcoming. And, and to you what got you're, a shot. To what you're saying, yeah. you got Chase Young coming back. Yeah. You can bother some teams so, with your defense. Uh, this is, so that's the, that's the issue. you got a shot. As a head coach, your job is to manage, right? You're supposed to look at the big picture. It seems like right now Rivera is caught in it. He's in it. Like, we, we got to do this. If, they're big, if you, had a, you came in to change the, the culture and the organization, if you're telling me you're going to change the culture and organization by benching your starting quarterback, regardless if he was your guy or not, by benching him, what message are you sending to the next person that struggles well, a little bit down well, the road? Well, because here's the other thing you're saying about benching. You told me this earlier this morning is he's done for the year. You can't, you know, he's ever. He can't play for them like there, again. There's a reason why Alex Smith, who like almost lost his life to a leg injury, is now the backup and yeah. not the guy you drafted he, he number will one. He will never play See, again. See, there's more to this story that we, we just don't know. Oh, I, There it, probably is. But, there's more. But there's I'm, more. that's what I'm saying. If, the, if, if it was that bad, yeah. you have to now trade him. Or release him at the end of the year. You can't bring him back on your roster. Well, just think about this, right? This wasn't the only guy that Rivera or this team has done this to. They didn't give Adrian Peterson a game. They mm. let him go early. So, but that's what. So are you they, rebuilding? They, they, what are we doing? Because if you're rebuilding, well, it that's make what I'm sense. saying. Like yeah. in September, it sounded like they were rebuilding. Right. It sounded like this was a foundation year. Now all of a sudden, they're like, well, if nobody wants the East, let's throw Kyle Allen in there and see if we can't go out and grab it on the cheap. But so, I but wonder so, who they got so, in mind. Yeah. But this is the thing, though, and this is where I, as a Person has been a part of a multiple rebuilds. I think mm. you have as well, Demarco. No. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I've been a part of multiple rebuilds. Picking at fifteen through twenty is the worst position God. because you're good enough, 
you're, you you weren't good enough to make the playoffs, but you weren't you weren't bad enough to get a good a good pick, right? Yeah. So now you're just like you just get stuck in no man's land. Well, if it's Trevor Lawrence you want, no matter where you're picking, you know you can always move up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You can always get the guy you want. But it costs a little bit more when you're I picking at twenty than it is if you're picking at five. We moved up to get Orlando. If that's your guy, that's your guy. If that's the guy you want, if that's the guy that's going to change your so you're going to you're going you're to you're going you're to leverage the draft to go get a guy because you wanted to go. Win I a would division. rather do that than tank, especially when the NFC East is that bad. Well, let's spin it back ahead to this week in the matchup with the Rams because you've played for Jack Del Rio, mm-hmm. Maurice, and and I think we both have a sense of which direction this is going from a game planning standpoint, especially when you consider there might be some sprinkles in the forecast in DC. Well, I'll tell you this: we when the Pittsburgh Steelers game last year, Jack Del Rio was working for ESPN and he was calling the game. And so he's seen this offense. He's studied this offense. So he understands. And I remember playing for him. He's a matchup guy. If you come out in 11 personnel, he's going to come out with his nickel package. If you come out in this, like he's going to come out in that. So expect to see a lot of nickel, but also expect to see them blitz off the edge, which we've seen uh, multiple times. A lot of teams haven't done that this year where they're sending guys off the edge as much. That was something the Rams did it. Yeah, well, yeah, they did. They were but, one. But I mean more in terms of, like, what style do they think – like, if they're giving the keys to Allen, what offense are they trying to run? What game style oh, do they want? Oh, they're about to it? run the ball. They're going to run the ball. Shorten it. They're going to shorten the game, and they're going to put all the pressure on the Rams because you know what? Yeah. They're I see, three and one. I see verticals coming in because that's what hasn't been happening with Haskins. There's been a, a few vertical shots down the field. I would bet with a guy that can move. But he can't ex- – he can't, he's not a good – he's not a downfield thrower. But at least extend the play. Extend the play. I would see a lot more vertical route, routes down the field. But here's the thing. I don't think you have a guy – there's no other tight end where you have to put Jalen Ramsey. This is Jalen Ramsey, go shut down one guy, and who else on that roster can beat whoever else? I, I, lo- I love that week to week because he went in the slot – 41 slot snaps yeah. last week by like more than he had the first three weeks. And now, of, yeah. and now this might be the game where it's like wherever he goes, you go, be done with him. McLaurin, so yeah. whoever. Yeah, yeah you yeah. got so him, erase him, and that, that's your game. That today. is the thing about defense when and, – and that was – we talked about that in the spring – or not in the spring, but in the summer in August. That was that gives offenses problems because we don't know where Jalen's going to line up, who he's going to take away, what is he going to do. So you I'm have not to game plan Logan Thomas. No, 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 no. But I mean, I did, I did like him as a blitzer, though. You yeah. bring him closer to that tackle and send him. Yeah, you, he was that covering. We'll give you pause. The other, yeah. the other thing it did too. Troy Hill is better outside. You Troy, think he's a better outside corner? Troy Hill's been getting chopped up in the slot a little yeah, bit. That's he, not, that slot ain't, is he, not yeah, easy. He's still learning that role. And and look, I'm not saying this is a long term solution, but against the Giants, you could see how it looked a little bit nicer. Yeah. With Darius and Troy outside and Jalen inside. You know how I feel about my best corner taking on running backs. Because you're, if you're in the slot right, 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 and right. they run the ball, right. you're the, now a linebacker, and you're, di- you're going to be counted on to turn things back, This is the even if it's though. a pulling guard. The difference yeah. with Jalen Ramsey is, and, and this is why we talked about his versatility. He'll hit anybody? He plays safety. Yeah. He played linebacker and corner in college. So he has that versatility to do it. It's just when he went to Jacksonville, they were just like, look, we play cover three, and you're just going to play outside corner. But will you? I mean, the 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 hit on Golden Tate oh boy. when he threw Deion Lewis out the way and then destroyed that is a I've never seen a linebacker hit like that. Yeah, I mean at least in this day and age, right? So like you, he has the ability to do. It. I just think his versatility. Is, so you're right, JB. It may just be one of those games where they're just like, hey, you play sides or you look, you just take him away. If you want to win, you erase them, make them play with ten, and that's exactly what can happen this week with Jalen Ramsey. 
Yeah, let's leave it there and come back with four down territory. We'll get the latest from Washington. So we know they're making the change. What should we expect from Allen? We'll answer that question next. Plus, is three a crowd in the Rams' backfield with Akers, their top selection from 2020, back and ready to go coming off that rib injury? With Marco Farr, with Maurice Jones-Drew, I'm J.B. Long, and this is a Week 5 edition of Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. Week 5 edition of Rams All Access rolls on with four down territory. Our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. Back inside the Beltway this week. Third trip to the East Coast in four weeks for your Los Angeles Rams. And joining us from D.C., John Keim, who covers the Washington football team for ESPN's NFL Nation. He also hosts the John Keim Report podcast. John, we understand the decision Rivera's made regarding Haskins. We've talked about that on the program already. But now what do you expect from Kyle Allen getting his first start for Washington? Well, what they're hoping to see is a guy who is able to get through some of the reads quicker because he has more experience in this system and one of the points that offense coordinator Scott Turner brought up was it's not so much that they can use more of the playbook. It's just that Kyle Allen, because he's been in the system now for two-plus years, that he has seen these plays against many different kinds of looks, whereas Dwayne Haskins had only seen what they've been able to show him in practice because he's had so, so little experience in there. So there have been plays that have been left on the field, and they think it's partly because of that. So I think you'll see that. You'll also see a little bit more mobility. Uh, you'll, I think you'll, you may also see more turnovers because that's what Kyle Allen did in Carolina last year as well. Behind him is Alex Smith, and I know the design is not for Alex to play in Week 5 against the Rams, but if he is active as the backup, he's always one snap away. Can you give us some context, if that were to come to pass, what it might be like at FedEx Field? Well, if there were fans there, you'd have 60,000 people holding their breath. But as it is, I think you're still going to have a lot of people holding their breath when when, if he had to go in the game and you see Aaron Donald coming down on him and people are going to kind of like you're going to be like you're looking at a car, a potential car crash. Mm. Even people in his family, I think, would definitely feel like that because they they've seen what he has gone through. Anybody who was at that stadium when he got hurt would have the same reaction. Anybody who watched the documentary would have that same reaction. Now, doctors said that he's okay. He's got a titanium rod in that leg, so he has no more risk of getting hurt there than someone else. But you can't erase what we've all seen him go through because of the injury. John Kahn covers the Washington football team for ESPN, also hosts the John Kahn Report podcast. Uh, I saw your tweets and some reporting from practice today on Thursday. It sounds like Chase Young is good to go coming off a groin injury. Well, he's, he was in practice. Now, I don't know if he was – we'll find out later from Ron Rivera if he was limited, how much he did. What I do know is that he has consistently progressed since he hurt his groin against Cleveland in week three. And by the end of on Sunday before the game, he was working out pretty vigorously with the agility stuff. He didn't play, but he was he was clearly had progressed uh, beyond where, you know, that, that he you knew he would be close to at least getting back on the field. What I know is he went through individual drills today. He was participating in the drills. He was doing whatever they were doing. We'll find out later what it means. And I think, as Rivera will always tell us, it's really the next day how the injury responds to him working today. So I think tomorrow will be a big key. Yeah, that's a good point. Could be a fascinating matchup, though, between that rookie edge rusher and Andrew Whitworth, the oldest offensive lineman in the league. I see there's rain in the forecast for Sunday. I don't mean for you to have to play meteorologist for us, John, but I do know both teams are dunking footballs in water at practice in anticipation of that. What impact could the weather have on Week 5? Boy, you know, 
it's hard for me to know because I haven't seen Kyle Allen play in that kind of a game. I haven't. I've only seen him play one game in person anyway. So we don't. I don't know how he would handle that. But I, you know, the field can get kind of slick there. So I think you could see some some guys cutting. They have a running back, Antonio Gibson, who likes to do a lot of cutting and cutbacks. I think that's something that could be could be trouble for guys like that. And I, you know, like I said, Kyle Allen is willing to throw the ball in some tight spaces. Maybe does that lead to more turnovers if you're not being if you're being a little bit more careless when the ball is slick? I, I don't, you know, does it go off somebody's hands and right, you know? So I think it could be. I think that's what you could see a little bit more of. But I do know, like I said, that that field field has been better lately. I mean, it's got it's got a bad rap for years, but it's the slickness of the field and the cutbacks. And they have guys like Terry McLaurin, a receiver, who who do a good job with that too. I wonder how that would be affected as more than anything. Last question, John. This is not uh, having anything to do with four-down territory, but I'm just curious, as a writer, how are you handling the football team? Like, are you spelling it out in all of your content, or what have you, what have you opted to do stylistically? Boy, you know, I, and it's funny that you bring that up because it's not me saying any, you know, it's not me slipping up on the radio or slipping up and using the other name. It is a constant battle with what do you call them, and sometimes I'll refer to them as Washington football team quarterback, you know, Alex Smith or whatever, but – it's it's hard because like I don't like to say it it, mm. it won the game Washington won the game then it so you're used to that segment so I use Washington a lot sometimes I just say well the team did this but it's a lowercase t I I never refer to them as a the football team on a second reference I just it's too weird and awkward so I somehow work a, find a way to use Washington I might refer to team and then I might go they and then back to Washington. And it may not be grammatically correct all the time, but it just it sounds better. And it is a challenge. Every story that I write, that has become a challenge. Uh, capital, capitalization issues in the nation's capital. Of course, John's battling through it. I appreciate you joining us for some Washington flavor. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. All right, so coming off that conversation with John, a couple of things we want to touch on. One would be the injury report because the Rams have uh, some notables, I would say, with Akers and Fuller coming back. We'll see if they activate Lewis for this game, Terrell Lewis potentially making his Rams debut. Um, and then Kaiser and Young, I-, I think, in the middle of the Rams defense at linebacker, both nursing injuries. What does that look like against Antonio Gibson in particular because they use him a lot in their passing game. But l- let's start with the top pick, Young against the oldest tackle in the game, Andrew Whitworth, because that could really be a featured matchup this week in Washington. I only I think about one of two things because it seems like these defensive ends that come out of Ohio State, they like to go through the tackle. They're not a finesse guy. They like to go around, and that's where Whitworth's at his best. So you're right? talking Bosa? Bosa. As background on this? And the last time that we saw Bosa – well, it wasn't the last time, but when we saw Bosa in L.A. play Whitworth and him and D. Ford met at Jared Goff, mm. that scares me a little bit. Um, Chase Young is a, a, I mean, size, speed, strength, like that's what you're looking for, right? Um, the key is though, you have to find a way to get him to like, he's young. So you want to get misdirection. You want him to over pursue. You want to cut him sometimes. You want to, you know, there's some, there's a, some technique where you let the guy go by and you kind of like swing him by. I don't know. Have you ever had that done? Oh, absolutely. Like use those different techniques. Yeah. Influence, like do those things to try to keep him off his game. Because if you let him just rush. Well, Let it sounds like what run? you're saying is the same old story. You have to put him in a situation where there's some conflict there. Yeah, where it's, not, where it's not an easy down and distance for him to pin his ears back. Well, you're on the road. I know it's no crowd noise, but, I mean, I hate to say concede the pass rush, but, I mean, look, Chase Young is on the rise. 
Kerrigan is a monster. So if you're in one of those third and 15s. Montez Sweat. Sweat. sweat and Sweat. Yeah. yeah. They, and got sweat to they, they got everybody they out got, there. They got guys that can just bring it off the edge. So if it's an obvious passing down and it's it's favorable early, you've got a lead and you can afford to go conservative, I would. You know, I would keep my tackles out of harm's way if I could. Uh, and the other thing I would do, I mean, I think Chase Young has the, the, the youth advantage. I think he has the speed advantage, and I think he's strong as an ox. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be a problem for the oldest tackle in the league. But what Chase Young doesn't know is how to play this game for four straight quarters. So I would try to wear him out, get to the line fast, uh, give him influence blocks, give him everything. Yes. Uh, change the snap count. Uh, see Trap if I can, block him. Everything. Yep. See if I can absolutely wear him out or at least take some smoke off that rush. Make them think about anything else other than running around my tackle or through my tackle. But if you get caught in their wheelhouse, you know it's coming. Hmm. Sean McVay must know it. It's coming. Uh, going shotgun, dropping from there. I mean, you're, you're you're putting Jared Goff right in in the sights of we're, these guys. Yeah, we're doing quick game. Yeah. So be smart about what you're doing. Know what you have, and know what you, know who you're trying to block. And he said that before uh, at, at in the coaches show. Who, who was it that absolutely uh, tore Jared's head off? And then after the game, he says, I, I should have had more respect for that guy. Clowney? Was it Clowney or someone else? It was a defensive end. I should have had more respect or I do have more respect for that guy. Well, know what you have coming in. You know what I mean? And and plan and, and call your game according to that. Yeah, I, I, I'm i just going through my head trying to think about who is going through the Rams schedule. This may be the most talented front seven that you're going to see. Well, now that the Niners are depleted on yeah. that front. Well, they lost DeForest Buckner too, to be honest. And no, that's mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they, I mean, they they were they were down. To me, DeForest Buckner was the Niners is is a, the star, the straw that stirs the drink. Because, and, but now without Bosa, well, and then, all, yeah, that that drink's empty. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they yeah, still yeah, got some yeah, guys, right, but. exactly. So, but when you when you think about it, this front seven has first rounders up and down it. Yep. They have first rounders coming off the bench. So. It's if, going to be important yeah. for, for Coach McVay to get his tempo and trap those guys a, on the field. If they had a 10-sack guy in the middle, this would be the scariest D-line we've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. That, I think that's what changed with the 49ers is because they had that guy in the middle plus off the edges. So they're attacking you from outside in at the same time. So if you can somehow control these defensive ends, I think, I hope, your interior will hold up a little bit better than they did last week, especially if everyone's on the same page protection-wise. I think the running back conversation for the Rams is a little bit deeper than we have time for here, so let's save that for our final segment. I do want to touch on the upcoming edge rusher for the Rams, though. Terrell Lewis, I think I said this earlier today, they drafted him with the 49ers attack in mind, right? Someone who's stout enough against the run that can take on a use check, that can hold that edge, but can also turn it up and get to Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't want to see him make his debut against that group. <laughs> I want him to get his taste this week, and I'm sure the Rams do as well. Am I wrong? Yeah, you, you just want to put him in. He'll get a couple of series here and there. You're not going to, like, throw him in there and play a whole game. That's not going to If happen. his knee's ready, of right. course. But you're going to give him, you know, I think you want to get him in in some passing situations, maybe, you know, first and second down, just to get him to stop the run. But, I, again, this is the thing, and DeMarco, we, we've talked about this multiple times. We haven't seen him do it in the league, but at Alabama <laughs> – he was, he was a good. monster. And so it's one of those things where if you can get him healthy and running and enrolling, all of a sudden your edge changes. I think you see Aaron Donald continue to get more pressure and and or he becomes Dante Fowler. He becomes the other double-digit sack guy you have 
because you know you have to you have to protect them. You have to respect them. I mean, and somebody's rotating to the bench. No. <laughs> well, high hopes for someone who's had injury trouble throughout his career and is yeah. yet to put on the horns. But we hope this is the week for Terrell Lewis out of Alabama. Did you have one more thing to say? No, no. I'm okay. just I'm just saying somebody if he's playing. That means somebody's yes. not playing. Somebody's on special teams. Mm. Maybe. Right. <laughs> Who's not playing in the Rams' backfield as they get Cam Akers back? We'll tackle that next, plus whip around the NFC West. As we conclude, Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. Well, this is what uh, Sean McVay likes to call a champagne problem as his running backs are getting healthy. We've seen Daryl Henderson come back from a hamstring during training camp. We've seen Malcolm Brown overcome a a fractured finger. And now Cam Akers, uh, who was lost in that first drive at Philadelphia with the separated rib cartilage, should be back in action in week five in Washington. So Maurice Jones-Drew is three a crowd in the Rams' backfield. I think it's better for the Rams, to be honest with you. Uh, DeMarco, you said something a couple weeks ago uh, about – you give you give a little bit of Cam Akers, uh, some Malcolm Brown, and then you end the game with Daryl Henderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is what this team has become, and I think that's what they want to do. They want to give Cam Akers, uh, get him going because you, he's your top draft pick. You want to get that going, but then Malcolm Brown comes in like he normally does in these crucial situations, third and short, get him a series. And then third, fourth quarter, you give him a little Daryl Henderson. You sprinkle him in the first and second quarter, but then you end it with him and the way he runs. And all of a sudden now you got some things going. I just think that we got a little uh, excited after Philadelphia, after Buffalo. It was like, oh, 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 he's doing it. And then, you know, you have this dust. So you just want to get back in that rhythm and that rotation. If you can get in that, I think that is going to allow your running game to open up because you have an extra fresh body back there. It's going to allow uh, Daryl Henderson to do more in the passing game when he's out there. Because if you notice, he wasn't really involved in the passing game like he was in Philly. It's a little bit different. So I think they want to get him back involved in the passing game so then I put as much on his plate. And now the kind of, you know, everyone gets the opportunity to eat. I assume the, the running back depth chart is like anybody's depth chart. You have a starter, a backup, and possibly no. a third. Or is it just three guys and we're going to go with carries? Because here's the thing. This is what used to drive me nuts when uh, – and it didn't happen often. I think it was one or two times where – the D-line coach would pull us too soon for the backups yeah, uh, because we weren't producing or we weren't getting enough penetration. Well, we were getting into the flow of the game. And just when you know, you know as a player, yeah. when you know I got them, I know the snap count, I know where they're going, I know everything, so this is going to be the series where I go out and dominate, you sub me and, and you mess up my, my rhythm. So, so that would drive me crazy. That drove me crazy as a DT. I mean, if it takes Daryl or some or, – or, or Cam or Malcolm, a couple of series to find the rhythm, and you're subbing too soon, you're going to short-circuit that rhythm. Well, so I, 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 it's, it's less about rhythm. It's more about who's hot. And I, I think that's what you have to realize. Week I think one, McVay would agree with that, by the way. It's hot. I think he's searching for a hot hand. Yeah, it's, it's who's hot that week. So Malcolm Brown was hot week one. Uh, week two, Henderson was hot. Week three, Henderson was hot. Week four, nobody was hot. Right? And then yeah. you go with Malcolm so Brown starts – it's just whoever gets yeah. – So let me propose this. How about how about going into Washington, what about if you alternate drives with the young backs and you know what Malcolm brings you in terms of short yardage, goal line, and third down. I like adverse, that. Adverse third down situations. Well, I like And, and I, I, yeah. hate, I hate to keep making Malcolm out to be the floor. No. But, but like – He's a hammer. Like, look, fourth well, and one, fourth and goal. He outplayed Darrell last but, week. Yeah. Like, I, well, the, well, the Giants, if you turn around and hand the ball off to him again, he scores a touchdown. Like, he gets you yeah. all the way down to, the, what, the four or five yard yes, line in that, that situation. Yeah, and then you, you take a sack. Right. So, but – he got hot, so they started riding with him. And, and anytime you're in the backfield, that's what it comes down to. And that's what puts pressure on guys to be at practice doing their thing mm. because 
when you're in the and you're in a, a crowded backfield, which I was in when I was in Jacksonville, when you get your opportunity, you better make it go. And if you and well, like Fred you talk, Taylor in on this roster. Well, no, no, but I'm not saying, but oh, I mean, there's yeah. times when Fred wouldn't play. And but I'd be, like to know whether Maurice Jones Drew is. Aha. <laughs> and and I and I think to that point, you got you gotta ride with the young guys. I yeah. mean, I think that's yeah. how this is drawn up. And to have Malcolm in reserve in case, like, look, I I, I thought Henderson was was holding his own in mm-hmm. that game last week, and then I and then I hear from McVeigh on Monday, and I go back and I watch that play where they try to throw uh, deep left to to Van Jefferson. And even though Daryl stuck his nose in that pass pro, it was different. He got walked back to Jared. Jared had to slide the pocket. They missed that. And so I, I, those are the little things that Sean's talking about. We're like, hey, we need the ten around Jared to be doing their job airtight to make this go. And I can see why he keeps defaulting to Malcolm because Malcolm gives you a higher chance of executing right. that. And, and so this is the thing: unless you're hot, we're going to go to Malcolm. That, and they, so we're yeah. going to give you opportunities throughout the first couple quarters to get going. But if you're not, if you don't get hot. I gotta go over here. We'll sacrifice some upside in the explosive running game mm-hmm. to get to get to where we want to be. Um, I, before we go around the West, can I just get your thoughts on what's going on with the Titans right now? Like, as former NFL players yourself, how are you feeling about another team, one of the thirty-two, kind of busting this bubble? What what would be what would you feel good about as a punishment? I as a punishment? No, oh, they got to uh, forfeit every game they can't play. Here's the thing, though. That, that's fair. As I understand it, if they forfeit, the other team doesn't get paid. No, 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 no. That's so they got to get paid. Uh, yeah. Well, the, the, no, the the NFL. So is that if, right? No, if no, no. Forfeit, we no, don't no. get paid. No, I've no, heard no, that's no. One of the arguments against forfeiting. You don't. You don't no, play. The, no, oh, well. the, the the CBA says this is that if there's no games, you don't get played. But it's because like if they cancel something, not if you forfeit. So there's a loophole. There's, there's a way a loophole, to get there. Way right. to get around so that. So this is the thing. The one thing that hurts a team more than anything is losses. It's a loss. Right? So don't don't find them. Don't dock them draft picks. You can find them. You can dock them draft picks, but that loss. Take the L. Take the L. You, you got to take fair. that every time. If, I think if that's you fair. can't control yourself. Do you give the other team a win? Yeah. Or is it just, Heck yeah. It, yeah. Absolutely. See, I, in a way, I think that's that's this messing a, with the formula almost too much. I, I'm okay with taking the L. I don't know if you can just give a team a free win in the But this is league. all a part of it. I mean, uh, go, go back to hard knocks. Only one team out of 32 is going to get this right. This is the, the environment we're all in. So if you can't, so you're just gonna up, give you're just gonna give the four and bills five and If you yeah. can't hold up your end wow. of the bargain, you get the L and we get the W. It's, it's as simple as that. Because yeah. it, and this is why, because what happens is you're taking away my my opportunity to beat you anyway. Yeah, let's say let's yeah. say that those guys that that test positive they don't play. You're playing with practice squad guys and backups. Nine out of ten, you are gonna lose anyway. Got it. I see so what you're you might as well look. Y'all got a, you got a problem. You fix it. But over here, we're I did it right. These. I'm here on game yes. day. I'm, you I'm, messed it up, so don't punish me. Give me the W. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's go around the West. Let's start with the two and two Cardinals, who maybe are not all that we thought they were after their start to 2020. They yeah. are. They are who we was thought. They Denny aren't Green? who we thought they. Yeah. It was a modify. <laughs> yeah. As they go to New York to face the winless them. Jets. Yeah. I, I don't. It seems like they are. There's a prog- there's a there's a process to winning. There's you're getting your teeth kicked in, and then you start winning. You know you win some close games, you lose some close games, but in those games, you play down to your competition, and that's what they've been doing the last couple of weeks. You played down to the Lions, you played down to the Panthers. Will you play down to the New York Football Giants? Because that's where they are in their situation right now. Let's go to San Francisco, and the way I put it was that win over the Giants for the Rams, got better four hours later. 
when you saw that Carson Wentz and the practice squad offense for Philadelphia oh can beat goodness. the 49ers. Like, forget what it means in terms of the standings and playoff implications. Like, well, you, gotta hope you, you took Mullins. an unsavory win over a really brutal loss for well, the 49ers. You got to remember, you gotta, Nick, Nick Mullins, he's going to play well for a game or two, but then he's going to have what he did. But Jimmy be- G's back. And yeah, this this yeah. is their tune-up week uh, against Miami before the Rams come to town. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah, they hope they get Mostert back, but you know, they they they've always been hurt. Um, you just hope that that, that loss is big because it's going to pay dividends down the road. I promise you. Oh, I mean, look again. I go back to where we started this summer. When you're looking at where are the Rams going to San Francisco for prime time in Week Six, we all thought three and two was was pretty appetizing right. and would have signed the contract to four and one as soon as it came off the printer. Now you're looking at not only can you be four and one, but the Niners already have two conference losses and a division loss. That's big. Huge. That's huge. Yeah, and that playoff jockeying that we always talk about. But yeah, I mean, you know, San Fran getting uh, Jimmy G back. I can't wait to see what they look like. Mostert's coming back as yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, and and that game versus Miami. Um, I think we you might actually see the last of Ryan Fitzpatrick. They make. They're not gonna put two out there versus that defense. I mean, no, 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 no. If he starts, if 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 Fitz Magic starts turning the ball Listen, over, you're you saying you've got it? no choice. This could be his last hurrah, though. You yeah. may yeah. see it in retrospect you and say that the, was it. You ever that see that wishbone? Right. When they back, <laughs> right. That, you don't want to put that man out there. I don't care how healthy he is. That uh, that's just not a place to put him, especially with the Niners that coming off a loss. Seattle is in the driver's seat. They're four and zero. They're home to the Vikings at one and three, who have a pulse. They have a pulse. I was, I was just about they to say that. got a running back. And yeah. they have two receivers all of a sudden now. Yeah. Jefferson has showed up in the in the Seattle Seahawks. He took that dig routine, didn't he? Oh my goodness. And he is and he is and it's funny because he's making plays, but the Seattle defense, their secondary has given up all these yards. I think it's thirteen hundred yards, passing yards in the last like five, four games. Like that's that's bananas. So Cousins can go in there and put up 30, 35, and maybe get out of there with a dub? It's, Kirk, the only the only problem Kirk is Cousins. Oh. The only problem is is that the Minnesota's defense is is not fire either? So R- Russ is out here cooking, right? And he, and he's doing it on the little thing that you get at the little restaurant where they be flipping the <laughs> shrimp up. That's Russ he's right now. He's, he's, yeah, he's, he's at Benny Hanna's right now. He's making he's onion making towels. It go. Yes, some shrimp. Yeah, volume the the volcano, onion volcano, and all that. Wow. He's going to work. So I, I don't know. I just I, you can never go against him. Like, it's weird. Like right now, the way they're playing right now, you can never go against them. Yeah, I do think you're kind of spanking on the fact that no one sustains this for a full season, right? Like you're you, you ride the tides and you ride. You mean Russell Wilson? Uh, just just any NFL team, like unless you're saying they're Kansas City or or they're going to be a anybody, 15 and 116 and no team. I don't see anyone getting close to him right now. The way he's playing, the way Russell Wilson is playing. Yeah. And I really throwing, don't. So, so you you think they they're the they're the favorite for the one seed? Would you say in the NFC? I I I think they're going to be in the hunt for it. The okay. way he's playing, and if you—it's funny what happens when you don't have a pass rush in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Things look a little bit pedestrian, right? But mm-hmm. as far as the offense is concerned, the things he's doing on schedule and off—my goodness—they've earned the, the luxury field. of resting Adams for another week, if nothing and, else. And think about this: DK Metcalf down the field. I mean, how oh. many touchdowns? How many times did he get behind the defense? Unbelievable. We'll save that for another week. The Rams have one more before NFC West play begins. They're at Washington in the early window, and we'll have it for you on seven ten ESPN.